Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to our 2023 Interfaith Connection podcast. This is a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Rev. Dave Lyman is my partner in marriage and also my senior minister partner for our Interfaith Explorers organization. We're both so excited to be starting our third year of podcasts on this grand adventure. Our goal this year is to explore and make new friends at faith communities in the greater Sacramento region where interfaith continues to grow. We also want to encourage your feedback as you participate in interfaith events and field trips, read our newsletter and listen to our monthly podcasts. So as we say each year, buckle up and get ready for the exciting year ahead. Good morning. This is Rachel Lyman from Interfaith Explorers, and I'm pleased to be recording our 33rd podcast today around the subject of interfaith in the Sacramento region. Through the last almost three years, my husband and senior minister of Interfaith Explorers, Rev. Dave Lyman, and I have explored many different truth seekers on their quest to find spirit and live a life of faith. Each person's journey was unique and sacred. Today, we'll be talking to a woman who grew up with the religion of her parents. As she became an adult, she continued and embraced that same faith legacy in a church which is now over 100 years old. So she became very active in this congregation, and today she will share her story. But first, I want to tell you, that our guest today is Leon Thorne. She's a dear friend of mine and former coworker I've known for over 35 years when we both worked in the physics and astronomy department at Sacramento State College in the late 1980s. It was just recently that I reconnected with her and was very taken by her faith story. So welcome Leon, it's so good to have you with us today. Well, it's good to be with you, but I've never done a podcast before, so who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, well, that's always, even when we work together, we never knew what was going to happen, huh? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so I always like to start at the beginning when we interview someone, at the very beginning. So can you tell us, as a child, I understand you were born in Alberta, California, can you tell us a little bit about what your childhood was like in Alberta? 
Okay, Alberta is a little town just about a mile north of Berlinda, which is about 10 miles or so out of north of Sacramento. Um, and I was born and raised in Alberta on Alberta Road, not on the road, but in a house along the road. And when my mom and dad, well, I was born in one house and then um, I was probably about two when they moved to the one on Alberta Road. And when they moved in that house, uh, it was a Mr. Hogg that they bought the house from. And he came with the house. <laughs> he he came with, excuse me. He came with the house. Can you explain that what that means? <laughs> yeah, he lived with us until he died. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and what I remember about Mr. Hogg is he liked to make butter. And I can remember the smell of butter. And anyway, but growing up in Alberta um, was very, it was, it was fun. It was not like it is nowadays. And we walked to school and we cut across the field to the Alberta school and there was a, the railroad tracks and there was a third rail, which is electric rail. And we used to jump over that rail to go to school. So wonder none of us ever got electrocuted, <laughs> but we do <threw> that. <laughs> And then from where I lived, um, we lived about probably three or four miles from what's now Gibson Ranch. It wasn't Gibson Ranch then. And there was a creek and a lot of polywogs and stuff. And my brother and I used to walk down to the creek, pull in our wagon and catch uh, crawdads is what we caught. Brought them home, played with them on the lawn. <laughs> Never ate them, though. <laughs> and... Uh, I can remember the hobos riding the trains and somehow they knew that my mom would give them food and they had to walk about half a mile or so to our house. And my brother and I would sit out on the lawn and talk to them. And uh, I don't think anybody would do that now, but we did. And we used to uh, had the sheep herders would sheep herd their sheep and cattle down Alberta Road and they would sometimes... Uh, the field across from us, which my mom and dad owned, they would herd them out there and uh, spend the night there. And uh, I don't know, it was just a different time, but it was a fun time. Well, it sounded it sounded uh, like a very gentle and open time too, uh, especially talking to hobos. Yeah, uh, that must have been quite fascinating. What around what years? Do you think how old were you when you when that was? Uh, that was probably around the early forties, maybe nineteen forties. Uh huh. Yeah, the early forties. And and yeah. uh, trying to remember when the Great Depression was was on. Well, that was that was a little bit before that. That was, this was probably during the war, the war days. So. Uh, did did you ever remember any of the stories that the hobos told you or not really they were just on their way to the next to another job or something riding the rails uh -huh. uh, trying to find work and they just knew somehow they always knew my mom would feed them so that's i can imagine uh, if if that that was past word of mouth probably yeah i'm sure uh, the house on uh yeah, on Alberta uh, certain, Road. Certain homes were friendly and certain ones probably weren't. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fascinating. So yeah. um how old how old were you when you started going to uh church and what what kind of a church was it? Do you remember anything about that? How old was I? Yeah, do you Did remember? You well, yeah, I was a newborn. Um it was Calvary Lutheran Church in Rio Linda. And my mom and dad were members there, and um, I grew up in in at Calvary Lutheran. And so they Melinda. took you to church with them. Yes, yes. And did they have uh, Sunday school there at a particular time or particular age? Oh yeah, there was Sunday school and uh, the different classes. And uh, at that time, we were the church started in 1923 and so when I was born it was like 11 years old and um, it was still the original church 
And the Sunday school, I can remember they had little sections. There wasn't separate rooms, but little partitions like little little walls, I guess you'd say, that you could take down. Uh -huh. and the classes were in them. And uh, my dad taught Sunday school. Your dad taught Sunday school? What yeah. did your mom do anything particular in particular at the church? Well, uh, when um I was little. I don't remember this, but I remember them telling me about this. Um, my mom and my two older sisters and my brother, I guess. And I don't know, maybe I tagged along too. I don't know. But they used to walk from Alberta to the church and clean the church every Saturday for 65 cents. <laughs> <laughs> that was big money in those days, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. the whole family, your whole family was involved in that particular church. Oh, yeah. 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 We all, yeah, our whole family. So people all, brought, when you said you were there as a newborn, so people uh, were in the the service holding babies and stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 Everybody, yeah. We were all there. And um, it was, what I... I can remember we had a ladies' aid society, the older ladies, and I can remember, I can still smell the coffee from there. <laughs> they were cooking coffee. <laughs> so they made coffee for uh, refreshments and stuff? Well, when their meetings and stuff, or they have separate uh, days when they had a meeting or whatever, but yeah, they probably had coffee after church too. And then um, also there was a wood wood stove in the old church and um, somebody else uh, would go down and light that stove to get it going in the wintertime so they'd have heat. Was it a one-room church at that time? No, Everything it was, was... Uh, it was uh, two, two rooms with a small kitchen. And um, there was two bathrooms, but you they were very small. And you entered them like through the back, like almost like an outhouse almost, but it was from the back outside. What's the address of that church? Do you know? Do you remember? Five, 515 L Street, Rolanda. 515 L is in Lake Street. 515 L. L Street in Rolanda. Uh -huh. So if someone wanted to visit that church, uh, do they held services there still in that particular oh, yeah. thing? At 10.30 in the morning, on Sunday mornings. Okay, but yeah. it's not that particular. So I went out no, to see had... you. So the original building is now, what do they do with the original building now? Oh, the original building? Oh, that's our social hall. And uh, AA and NA meet there every day of the week or every night of the week. And they have for over 40 years. Wow. And, we, and uh, Real and Alberta Historical Society meets there once a month in the old building. And that's where we have a lot of our, um, most all of our social things that we do, our harvest festivals, our Fat and Fun Tuesdays, our Deck the Halls, where at Christmas time we decorate the hall and um, and our big event, we used to call it the big event in September, we would have uh, like a big picnic and uh, not just a picnic, but uh, we'd have entertainment and whatever, like a big family fun thing and games and everything. And um, just everything that, you know, we have socially is usually held in that building. So, uh, and I went out to visit you I actually went to a service, but it was a service across the sidewalk in another building, which had a beautiful sanctuary. It was lovely. And all kinds of different rooms for different classes and so forth. So that's that's pretty special that you have that huge building for your for your services and classes. And then across the sidewalk, you still have a historical building for your social. Uh, events that's pretty spectacular i don't think there are too many churches can say they have that today yeah and there between the two buildings there used to be a parsonage and that's where the pastor and his family lived but then that um 
that was moved. I forget when that was probably in the 1970s or something. And then, so that now is just a, a lawn and and uh, blacktop and stuff between there. Because the education or the sanctuary, our new sanctuary was built in 1952. And uh, then the education unit was built uh, about 10 years later. Um, I wanted to skip to down to, um, we, we had, Leon and I had uh, put together some questions prior to this. I'm going to skip down to question eight. Uh, and and I I just want to say when you when you walk into uh, the the building where you have your services before you enter the sanctuary there's a like a hallway or a foyer and there's an absolutely gorgeous stained glass window there uh, that I I I took some pictures and I want to tell the, our listeners that. Uh, some of the pictures I took when I went to services there, a service there, I'm going to uh, put in our September newsletter, Interfaith Explorers newsletter, and um, put uh, some information in there also about the church. But before you go up, there's a couple stair steps there, I think. But to the left of that, uh, in that foyer, there's a, I believe there's a table, and above the table is a, I'm thinking it's made out of iron, it's a sculpture, yes. and and uh, I just, I was drawn to that, it was just an absolutely beautiful outline of some, uh, some images, can you tell us about that sculpture and what that's all about? Yeah, uh, that sculpture is in memory of my dad when he passed away in 1966. Uh, my oldest sister, uh, just that previous year in 1965, had taken my mom and dad on a trip to Europe and the Holy Land. And so they had been to many places in the Holy Land. And when my dad passed away, we had that sculpture done in his honor, and it um, shows uh, Jerusalem, Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, the three crosses on the hill uh, for Good Friday, and then the open tomb, Jesus's resurrection. And that we thought was so appropriate because they had just been to the Holy Land and saw all that. And uh, so now that that is our church's logo. And I'm definitely going to put a picture of that um, in the newsletter. And when you told me it's the church's logo, I, I was I got goosebumps on that one. <laughs> so what was your father's full name? Henry Herman August Meyer. M-E-Y-E-R? Yeah, M-E-Y-E-R. He had Henry Herman August Meyer. Do you yeah. know what those other uh, middle names are all about or who he was named after? Probably some relative. Not sure, though. Yeah, you're not sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, his dad's name was Heinrich, which is Henry. Uh-huh. Yeah. So German. From the German uh, yeah. uh, culture. That's... But I, I just had to tell people about that because that really uh, was was amazing to see that. And so um, your your parents were both very active in the church. Yes. And, um, when uh, tell us then uh, somewhere along the line you got married and um, did your new did your husband uh, want to go to the same church or how how did yeah. Uh, what um, that he was he was raised in the Episcopalian Church, which is not too different than the Lutheran. And when we got married, yeah, there was yeah, he there's no problem. He wanted to join our church, which he did, and our our whole family, my brothers, my sisters, and all their families. My family were all raised in the church in Calvary Lutheran Church, 
um, and just, yeah, and everybody was pretty active. Um, my husband and I, in the earlier years, uh, we were Luther League sponsors, which is the youth group, the high school youth group. We were like their uh, leaders. And um, then later when they kind of got out of the high school, they started a group called the Cairo Group, which was young adults. And we were like their leaders for them too. And um, of course I caught Sunday school when um, for many years. And I have to tell you kind of a funny story. Uh, when Not you, our, Leon, telling a funny story. When one of our <laughs> pastors, they had twins, a boy and a girl. Uh-huh. And I think they were about four years old. And there was a picture that I had on the in the Sunday school room with the uh, two little kids crossing the bridge and the angel was watching over them. And so we were talking about that picture and the little boy said, yeah, my dad, he climbed up on the table to change a light bulb and the table fell, but he didn't get hurt. The angel was watching over him. And then the little girl said, nah, it was plain luck. <laughs> <laughs> so when I told pastor about it, he says, well, Leon, at least you got through to one of them. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. Uh, well, from the mouths of babes, you know, you yeah. hear just, just the, the honest truth, the plain truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you have, what, uh, tell us, uh, I'm going to jump down to, to question number six now. I'm messing you up, I guess. Anyway, um. Currently, what what do you uh, tell us about Don and and uh, and then uh, what are you currently doing uh, at the church? What does a typical week of church look like for you, culminating well, on, culminating <laughs> on a Sunday? <laughs> um, well, every every Sunday I play the the keyboard or the organ. I've done that for over seventy years, and <clears throat> I'm. Um, on on the chair of the outreach and hospitality committee i'm on the worship and music committee and uh we have a little music team and i get all the songs ready for them each week um and then we practice at my house on wednesdays and uh, mondays i go over to church and we have like a work day um and then whatever else we have going on that week. And um, like, for instance, this past summer, every Thursday evening, uh, we had a craft a booth at the Farmer's Market in Rilinda, which went to from about two in the afternoon until seven at night. And um, then just past weekend, we just had the Rilinda Alberta Country Fair where we had a booth and we're there all day long, and um, just everything that we have going on, uh, there's always something, something. And I make all, all the flyers for all the events. Um, I do the signups for coffee hour uh, ushers and greeters. I make up all those signups so people can sign up for those. And um, I don't know, I'm just kept busy all week. <laughs> Sounds like you do a lot there. Yeah. Currently, how about how many uh, families or people are in your congregation? Well, since COVID, it's gone down because uh, uh, people, well, of course, we didn't have services during COVID. And then once we started up, a lot of them were used to watching it online. And so they still continue to do that. So we don't have as many as we did. Uh, we're small, but we're mighty. And... Uh, I don't know how many families, but um, but we have probably average 40, 50 people, maybe a little more sometimes on a Sunday now. We used years ago, we used to have lots like 200 or so, but it's it's gone way down. Well, I, I tell you, 40 or 50 is a lot. <laughs> 
Um, I have to say uh, my husband, Rev. Dave, has been uh, giving sermons for the last almost 10 years at different small unity churches. And um, the and everyone's congregations have, have diminished, uh, not only because of COVID, but because of aging and all that. And uh, so 40 or 50 strong is pretty good. I, I uh, went online and looked at all the things that your particular church is doing. And it reminds me of my former Bethany Presbyterian Church, small but mighty. They're involved in, just like you, they're involved in programs in conjunction with um, Mercy and other uh, social programs in the area. And you guys are doing a lot. I mean, you're helping the homeless. You're not only you're helping your own families, um, contributing to the church, and as well as um, developing new souls. You do you have some younger people that are attending? Because usually the youth aren't doing much for attending churches these days. Do you have? Uh, well, yeah, we we have some, but not a lot. Uh, but some things I want to tell you that we were doing until COVID hit was we had free community meals on Saturday, the last Saturday of the month. And then we had to stop that during COVID. And then we tried to start it up again afterwards, but it, it didn't work out. So now what we're doing is uh, care bags where we have uh, uh, non-perishable food items. And we pack those on the last Saturday of the month, and then people take them in their cars. And if they see a person that needs one, they pass it out. Or anybody could come to the church on a Saturday evening and pick one up. Um, so we, you know, we've done that. And also we have God's work our hands always, which is actually all the ELCA Evangelical Lutheran churches in America do that the second Sunday in September, which we just did a Sunday or so ago. And um, this last, we do different things for the community. Or, and this last time we did uh, uh, bags for McDonald House for the par parents that stay at McDonald House. And we had little items in there for them, snacks and things like that. And different times we've done, uh, we had showers one time and uh, for the homeless that we had brought in and uh, go and clean up the community or whatever. Um, we've done walks for the hungry. Um, one year we did uh, cookbooks that uh, for the different the area churches and got recipes from all the uh, people and had them published and um, gave the money to the food closet. Uh, we have people that uh, contribute every week for the Rillandale Alberta Food Closet and some that work there. Um, uh, what else? We have, we do have quite a bit actually for the community and stuff, so. Well, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, um, some churches are just um, living their, living the spirit. I mean, living uh, the, would uh, what we feel we're we're here to do is to help to love other people and help other people as best we can. And you, you, I, I'm, you know, Calvary Lutheran is certainly uh, to be commended for all it's doing. Um, and you seem to be very resilient. Uh, regardless of COVID or anything else, you're still doing something, you know, doing what you can. And I think yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's important. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I understand the, you told me that in, in um, Calvary Lutheran began in 1923, and this is 2023. So yeah. uh, they just turned 100 years old. Was there a was there a hundred year celebration? Or can you can you share a little bit of the history if you know it? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We had a celebration in April, um, and when we talked about the care bags, we did. We had people help us uh, pack a hundred care bags on that day 
for a hundred years and they could take them with them. And we also had a, oh. we had our regular service and um, we had a uh, lunch afterwards. And of course people spoke and whatever. And so there was a lot of some, I mean, of course a lot of people aren't around anymore, but there were some that are still around that came, which was nice to see them. And our church actually started in April of 1923, after a survey showed that there 30% of the homes of Rolinda contained people that were brought up in the Lutheran faith. And so members of the early church then conducted services at the Rolinda Elementary School. And then they raised money um, to build the original church, uh, which was in the early 1924. And uh, the church was uh, built on land donated by the Sacramento Suburban Fruitlands Company. And the cost of the church building at that time was $4,000. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1924, there was a number of uh, German families of Rilinda. Most of them were from Canada. And they organized the Evangelical Lutheran Bethlehem Congregation and held services in German. And then two congregations shared the same building. And in October 1930, they merged to become Calvary Lutheran Church of Rilinda. Mm. And both German and English services continued to be held until in early 1942, uh, when the council voted to discontinue the German services because of the United States involvement in World War II. Oh, that's and, fascinating. Huh? Did you, 1942, and what year were you, you were born in, you were too old to, did you ever, you were too young probably to know or hear any of the German services? Yeah, I don't uh, remember that. Yeah, because you must have been just a baby then. Well, I was, well, I was yeah, little. Yeah. But yeah. You, your parents probably, did, did, it, did your parents speak German or did they, oh, yeah, they, did. Did they ever they go did. to the German services that you know? Oh. I don't know. They they might have. I don't. I don't oh. really know. Um, they could have. I don't know. Um, That's fascinating. And, and was there a German minister? Or yeah, someone yeah. that. Uh, yeah, that he spoke okay. German. Yeah, um, and then in uh, March of nineteen twenty six, the congregation decided to construct a parsonage. And so that was $1,500. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> and then the first pastor was Pastor Rody and him and his family, they lived in the social hall of the church until the parsonage was built. And then he's probably the one that did the German services, I imagine. And uh, then in 1939, uh, there was a severe windstorm and so they had to strengthen the old church and so they put in a new entrance and a vestibule on the south side of the church um, and during the time of the of the depression and stuff um, uh, Reverend Hertel was there and people brought I mean sometimes they couldn't afford to pay him and people would bring him food from their gardens and eggs and butchered meat. And one one night, it was during that time when he carved the words Jesus only on a board and attached it to the altar. And that altar is still in our hall. The old altar is in our hallway. And I think you have a picture of that, Rachel. I do. I did. I took a photograph of that. And that will also yeah. uh, be in the... Uh, newsletter. Yeah, I just think this is uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, and I, I, when you talked about German services, it reminded me when I, I got married in 1968, and moved to New Hampshire, and and it was Nashville, New Hampshire, and a lot of the people in the community were uh, had a um, Canadian, uh, a French Canadian background, and so I turned, uh, I was. Uh, went through the, all the classes and I turned Catholic 
And I, uh, when when I first went back there, you could actually go to an all French mass. You could go to an all Latin mass oh. or an uh, an English mass. So just to know that uh, the different churches want to have people come. So if they didn't know English, they could they could do that. I mean, they uh, uh, and it was it, it was. It wasn't French. It wasn't Parisian French. It was uh, uh, a French that they spoke in Canada. It was a little bit. Uh, they had different phrases and so forth. So. Um, uh, and I think uh, the family I married into, I think some of them probably did go there. So it was fascinating to hear when you said that they actually had German services because they were trying to accommodate. Uh, and a lot of our, our parents and our grandparents were immigrants <laughs> from these countries, you know. So yeah. uh, and they wanted people to uh, go to um, church. And then I can relate one more thing that my grandmother was an immigrant from uh, Romania or Hungary. And uh, they ended up, in, my, my grandparents ended up in Ohio and there was a huge Presbyterian uh, communi community there in Ohio. And my mother said she actually went to a Hungarian Presbyterian church. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, wow. And, and you can drive down, uh, I'm, we live in Carmichael, so you could drive down El Camino, uh, I believe it's El Camino, and, and look to the left when you get down before Watt Avenue and see a Romanian Baptist church. So oh. I, I'm uh, thrilled to see that um, this is still happening uh, to accommodate the people who have moved into this country, you know, and still want to... Uh, go to their services because it's so important as a, a big part of their lives. So yeah. that's pretty fascinating to, to know that your church actually had German services yeah. and yeah. That out of, because of world war II they discontinued those. So, yeah. Uh, then in 1943 in May, um, the church debt was paid, and on June the 27th, during the celebration of the 20th anniversary of the congregation, a copy of the mortgage was burned. And then the next five years, the congregation purchased the lots, the lots uh, where our present sanctuary is now, and the parish education building for this big sum of $300. <laughs> the lot was $300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and anyway, um, and then the Sunday school uh, annex in the old church uh, was built uh, in, I guess, the late 1940s, and uh, the kitchen was made a little bit bigger, and they then they purchased more land for the parking, where the parking lot is now. And um, then in uh, March of 1949, the congregation decided to purchase a school bus, which was used to, for several years for um, picking up kids for Sunday school and stuff. So we had a quite a... That's, that's neat. Yeah. 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 Because Rio Linda and Alberta are pretty spread out, pretty country. Yeah, right. Yeah. country roads yeah. and so forth so yeah it'd be yeah. hard for people just to walk there you know yeah yeah and i'm sure people didn't always have cars yet you know no some people did but that's yeah pretty, that's pretty neat yeah to have a church bus yeah so that was you know that was kind of, i can remember riding that bus <laughs> there you go good good that's a good yeah. way. That'd be a good way to get to church. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, uh, uh, 
Oh, yeah. In 1971, our congregation sponsored a series of meetings uh, for the community relating to drug awareness and other problems in our society. And I think that's when um, AA started um, coming. Uh, we had, you know, had AA in our buildings. And um, so, like I said, they've been there over 40 years. So it's been a, and then the elderly nutrition program was also started in our church in 1978. And uh, then later on, it was moved to the community center in Rio Linda. Um, but it got started in our church. And uh, they still have that down at the community center. And do you know what that program's all about? Well, people can go and get like free lunches. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. They still have that going. So that was a good thing, you know. And over the years, our family, our church has helped families that need something that are either members or non-members, whatever. And um, also we've been sponsoring uh, this home for um, medically challenged adults. It's called Flowerdale in Rio Linda. And um, we would go sing for them at Christmas time, carol for them and give them gifts and things like that. And a couple of the residents there attended our church um, one of them has passed and one of them is had to be moved to Grass Valley because of her condition. So uh, she's no longer attending, but um, we've done all that. And uh, we've adopted, like I said, adopted several families that needed help. And um, oh, and then we also have um, quilts um, on Tuesdays. Um, we're making quilts for um, women and children all over the world that needed it. It's uh, sponsored by uh, Lutheran World Relief. So we'll do that on Tuesdays. And, and how many that, women are involved in that or is it men and women? Maybe just women. Just It's not that very, very many that are involved, but uh, but we're working at it, you know? And some of the one of our ladies has crocheted many, many hug, 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 hug huggers for cancer patients, which were given to the local hospitals. So um, that's been a, a good thing. Well, we have, um, and I, I think it's still active, and I was involved in that, a prayer shawl ministry where uh, we were making prayer uh, scarves and shawls to give to people who were in hospitals and so forth or mm -hmm. home ill and um, also my husband started when he was still an assistant minister there started a teddy bear program oh. <laughs> where, uh, bel air uh, during christmas time if you bought a teddy bear for ten dollars part of that money went to feed the hungry so we uh, we would go over and do our groceries and come home with 50 teddy bears oh my know, and then give it to the teddy bear program and they would pass them on to people. Mm -hmm. So anything like that, the handmade things, the quilts, the hats, the scarves, all that is shawls are uh, such a blessing and, and uh, appreciated by whoever gets those items. Um, also, over the years, we've participated in... Uh, the Memorial Day Parade in North Highlands and the Centennial Parade in Rolinda, which was in 2012. And then since then, they've had other uh, Christmas light parades uh, that we do in Rolinda. And our float, we usually put our old church bell on it. And uh, the history of the bell, um, it was brought from, uh, I believe, I think it was, I was trying to think where we got the bell originally. But anyway, it's an old, old, old bell that was up in the up in the tower of the old church. And now it sits on a um on a stand in the narthex. And then uh, we load that bell onto our float and then ring the bell all the way down the parade route. How big a bell is it? Big. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, uh, how wide would you think it is? Oh. Two feet, three feet? Is uh, that big? Or? Probably, yeah. It's probably about three feet or so. It's now, heavy, did, big. Did you, you have a steeple there, don't you? Was it up yeah, in the steeple yeah. at one time? Yeah, it was up in the steeple, but then they had to take it down because it was the roof was leaking or something. And so then they replaced it with carillons. So, uh, and we always used to ring the carillons. Um, every evening at six o'clock until, well, one of the neighbors uh, complained, I guess. They didn't like like them, so we had to stop ringing them. <laughs> now, what are carillons? They're like bells, uh, only. Smaller bells? or Well, they're like a chimes, kind of like chimes, sort chimes, of. Chimes, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's too bad. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Dave and I were lucky to go to a uh, sacred sites tour in Europe. Well, it was uh, England, Scotland, and Wales. And every now and then we'd be in a town somewhere and we'd hear uh, bells, the uh, church bells or uh -huh. chimes. And it was just beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's sad that people uh, were annoyed by that. Yeah, yeah. But... And, and over a hundred years, uh, we've had 11 pastors, along with one associate and several interim pastors there was, that we had. Um, and um, our shortest term was held by Pastor Dershner from April 1923 to November 1924. And he was instrumental in the organization of Calvary. And then, um, and now you have a woman minister, huh? You have a woman minister now. Now we do, yeah. 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 How long has she been there? Since 2014. Oh, okay. She's been there a while. Yeah, and Pastor Carlson was the longest. He was there for 25 years, <laughs> from June of 1968 to January 1993. Mm. And then one of our pastors, Pastor David Mullen. Uh, he was with us from July 1994 to May of 2002, and he was elected bishop of the Sierra Pacific Synod. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And then we had two sons of our congregation that became pastors. Uh, it was Michael Holmes and Eric Griffith. Sons, then, sons of uh -huh. pastors? Huh? They were sons of pastors? No, two sons of the congregation. You know. Oh, that, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they became pastors. Uh -huh. and, and then um, we also, Calvary, we served as an internship site for three years. And uh, those were interns. They were from Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary. And um, they were Frank Espergren, who's now pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in uh, Sacramento. Uh-huh. And Stephanie Smith, I think she's back in uh, New Hampshire. I think it's New Hampshire she's at. Uh, I think that's where she is. And then Bodan Vedas, he's down in Southern California. So uh, that's kind of That's quite a history of a, yeah. an amazing, uh, amazing uh, church. And so you've been a congregant since you were a baby. I have, yeah. And how old are you today, Leon? Do you want to say? <laughs> I'm 88. I'll be 89 in November. Wow. What what day is your birthday? The 12th. November 12th. Okay. I know because uh, when we worked together, we used to laugh about that because I'm 10 years younger. So I went. Yeah. So we can remember how old we were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, how old are you, Rachel? No, okay. I must be 10 years older, you know. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's quite a history. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the history? Or I I wanted to, I have a couple more questions for you if you want to. But if you okay. have more history to share, that's okay too. Um I think that's pretty much of the history. Um Oh, I think yeah. it's a, a amazing and beautiful history. And it was, it's just gives me kind of goosebumps to go out and see a building 
where people worshipped uh, that long ago, you know, was pretty pretty awesome. So well, one thing, so one thing we do have now too. Um, after church on Sundays, we have this one person, Bob Batten, who he gives free music lessons if anybody wants to play an instrument. And is he a music teacher at a school somewhere? He was, yeah. Uh -huh. um, he's retired now. Uh, and we have a music room that uh, I could go to. So do you have to be a certain age or it could be any age to do that? Any, any age. <laughs> Just bring your <laughs> instrument, right? <laughs> bring your instrument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have some instruments there. We have some keyboards and stuff. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. So you've been a lifelong congregant of a beautiful and amazing church that's done so much for not only you, your family, but the community. Um, can you share a little bit about how your faith has kept you sane <laughs> and helped you through your own life? Uh, and, you know, we all have challenges for sure. Uh, was it yeah. important Was it important for you to, to have that sort of faith? Oh, yeah. I don't know what I'd do without it. I mean, everybody has their ups and downs, and you've got all kinds of things. And let me tell you, um, times when I knew God was there with me, um, uh, one time was when my dad passed away. Um, when he passed away, uh, my my sisters, my two, my one sister and uh, my brothers and my mom, we were well. We were all there, and then uh, my other one sister and I left to go get something to eat with my mom, and the others were left at the hospital. And during that time my dad passed away, but they, they left him just like he was when he passed. So we, when we came back, and I'll never forget this, his arms were outstrung and he had this big smile on his face. Mm -hmm. And it was just like he saw Jesus. And then when my oldest sister passed away, I was there with her at her home. And, um, there was a few others there and she my bro, my brother that i never saw um that had passed away when they were on their way out from michigan during the depression to california he was 17 months old and they stopped him in minnesota to visit friends and he got measles and pneumonia and died and so that was way back in 1930 and when my sister passed away in 2013, she got this big smile on her face just shortly before she passed. And she said, Harold, and that was his name. And I think she saw Harold. Oh. And also that night, she had all these uh, Anna Lee dolls and stuff that she had up on a ledge. And one of them had a trumpet and this is hard to, I mean, I don't know how this happened, but my niece was there with me also. And we both heard this trumpet play, which I don't know. <laughs> so I felt like God was there. And then myself in 2015, I was having a procedure done on my leg and my heart stopped and I was floating in a light, bright tunnel. And then all of a sudden I was back in the room and the doctors, a bunch of doctors and nurses and a chaplain were there. And I said, what happened? And they said, my heart stopped and they were about ready to do something, but I came back on my own. So I think I was here, I needed to do more work. <laughs> So you had a near-death experience. I did, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 
I guess it was you like God said, no, you're not. I got more things for you to do. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I yeah. like the light, bright tunnel because of, uh, there are people who have had near death experiences many, many times. And that's what they look, they feel that light that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, I was just floating. I was just floating in a light. Floating and right. peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and and Leon, I've seen I've seen her on Facebook. I mean, we we haven't worked together since I don't remember when you retired. Ninety. Oh, ninety-one. Ninety-one. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, but I went to work at 1986, I think it was, and and you left in 91. So, I you know I have I've known you're in real Linda off and on, but I thought I got to go out and have lunch with Leon. I got to go out and have lunch with Leon, and finally I said that's it. I'm gonna try to contact her and do it, and and I'm so glad we did. Yeah, I am too. So. Um, and I got to see your lovely home too. And um, your house looks like our house. It's like uh, a museum of memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're all beautiful and and sacred and special. You know, <laughs> and people come to our house and go, "Oh my gosh!" You know, but everything is it means something. And yeah, I, I, that's the way I saw your house too. Is everything has a meaning, and um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, we're about near the end of the podcast. So I've got maybe one more question. And, and, and you, um, you know, I, I don't know that much about the Lutheran faith and we're not here to try to talk people into becoming Lutheran. But when you see someone who's been in a particular faith all their life and the way they show up, you know that, um whatever they've learned from that faith uh has made the world a better place so do you have something there's a lot of the people this podcast will go live uh in a few weeks and um and once it's on um spiritual life center's website also it's on p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com it's an application for podcasts all over the world uh this is this could be listened to by anyone in the world once it gets uh live so is there anything you would like to say to the world <laughs> i'm really putting you on the spot leon and i'm getting back at you for all those skits you made no we we did christmas skits together and had so much fun I've never worked with a person who is so kind and and fun and and the best typist in the whole world I've ever seen and just a joy to work with. So um, what would you like to, would you like to have some kind of a message to people or whatever you want to say is fine? Well, um, I don't know how I would live. I mean, without my faith because you know there's so many times that you need your faith and um our church or our motto is open arms open hearts saved by grace Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't matter what you do if you you're saved by grace and for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life there you go and that's a a, a, a big nutshell <laughs> to put mm-hmm. that in and it's it's beautiful and timeless so I just want to thank you, Leon, so much for being with us today. Um, you've been a delight and, and uh, going out and reconnecting with you and seeing your beautiful church. And, and I'm just, uh, um, I'm sure the people listening too were very 
uh, enthused and impressed at, at even with 40 or 50 people, how much you're doing uh, God's work in a way to help others, to be a comfort to others um, uh, spiritually and physically and emotionally. And uh, we're grateful. And I'm so glad you that God bumped you back on the earth so we could do this podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel. <laughs> I'm so, glad I could do it too. But yeah. So we will uh, we'll we'll take time to see you more often, I'm sure. Yeah. So thank you so much, Leon. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us today to explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. This 2023 podcast will be aired the fourth Thursday of the month on Spiritual Life Center's website, slcworld.org, under Interfaith Connection Podcasts. You can also listen to our previous 24-plus podcasts at this same location. And we want to hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, or suggestions to me. That's Rachel Lyman at rachel24 at surewest.net. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-4 at S-U-R-E-W-E-S-T dot net. And let us remember as we go along our different paths that Gandhi once said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.